Hey guys, this is your girl, um, Slim, and sorry for the pause there, but I kind of got distracted, but anyway, welcome to Simply 30, and, um, today is actually Super Bowl Sunday, and, um, I just had a few thoughts that I want to share, so this might even be one of my shorter podcasts, but, um, what keeps coming to me, love without correction is not love at all, love is correction. And it's coming to me because I'm actually, as you know, that I go through things where I'm trying to read the Bible for myself or any books just to kind of, you know, I don't like to be told what is what it is. I like to have my own interpretation from where I am in life. And, you know, certain times where I read over the Bible and it gives me a completely different uh, viewpoint of, you know, what it's trying to convey. I think that the Bible and many can dispute this or have, you know, mixed feelings. But I think if you read it for yourself and depending on just keeping an open mind and, you know, just, just allowing, allowing God to really speak to you and ask for clarification and ask for what the interpretation should be. I think that, you know, you get a better understanding more than what could ever be preached to you, what could ever be, you know, told to you. And the the verbiage that you get from like your whatever you call your church or your place of worship. But anyway, um, getting back to love without correction is not love at all. So I'm actually in Second Samuel. And that's first and second Samuel and reading over the story of David. And, you know, a lot of people say that like David is their favorite is a favorite character in the Bible because of his love and courtship of, of, of God and how he, um, quick, how he repents. I was going to say quickly, but that's not necessarily true. How he repents when he's confronted by his sins, confronted by, you know, Um, the things that go against God's wishes and, you know, just relinquishing the human nature in us, like our pride, our ego, um, being, trying to be self-reliant and all of that, you know, so, and learning when to surrender. And what I say about that in, in love without correction is not love at all. It's, um, situations where, I mean, we can go as like when we're children, right? When we did something outside of that will put us in danger, hurt us, harm us, you know, our parents didn't allow us to, most parents didn't allow us to repeat the act. It came with some type of discipline and discipline does not necessarily mean that in the moment it feels good or in the moment it feels it's like what I want to do. Maybe discipline can be a, a conversation, you know, a stern talk, maybe discipline, maybe a quick form of punishment or whatever the case, whatever it looks like. <clears throat> but that is a form of love um, because you're not allowing someone who you care about to actually go in and continue to hurt or harm themselves or put themselves in a situation that may be destructive to them. So um, I never kind of looked at love without discipline or correction really you know isn't love at all but love with it is actually a true form of love and so as I'm reading through the bible and it's it's coming clear like everything um 
you know, God does give us warnings. God does give rules and he gives rules <clears throat> that are, are really cut and dry. There, there's no gray area. The gray areas are God's grace to me. And this is just my interpretation. And what I mean by gray areas is that it does not mean the correction is not going to happen or the discipline is not going to happen or the cause and effects or consequences aren't going to happen. It means that God is doing this in his grace. His grace will pull you through. His grace is there to kind of guide you and give you the strength and to correct your ways. Right. <clears throat> And so what I mean by that is like, so I'm reading through the book, you know, the books of the Old Testament. And I mean, every act of sin, I think we try to justify the levels of, you know, what we say is a big sin, a little sin, a, you know, not too bad of a sin. But God looks at it like sin is sin and sin, small sin breeds an area of more sin and to be comfortable in sin and to move in sin. And the thing that I'm noticing is that he corrects it quickly. It's punishable by death. And I, at first I was like, man, this is really harsh. Like you do something and it's punishable by death, but sin is death. Sin is death of the, of the flesh is breathing something that pulls you away from him, which is death. And so when you look at it for me, when I look at it that way, it's like, wow, <clears throat> I see why he acts so swiftly with sin. I see why he carried out orders to have certain tribes killed because he did not want the sin to carry over. He did not want the actions and um, the, the worshiping of things, of things that were not of him to be passed down a generation. He it's almost like he wanted to end that generation or end that life so that that sin completely and forever died. So as I'm going back and I'm reading the book, um, uh, first and second Samuel, and it really goes into about, you know, David's, David's, uh, David's life. And it's three things that I do want to call out and love. Um, love is, you know, Love without discipline is not love, but love is of discipline and of of correction. The reason why I say that and the three things that have been I've been thinking about for a while is like there's three kind of pillars and I won't take credit for this. I was actually listening to Dr. Um, Charles Stanley on um, a television podcast <clears throat> and Charles Stanley has been around Dr. Charles Stanley, excuse me, has been around for many, 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 many years and they kind of play his sermons in syndication. So when you read his, well, when you listen to one of his programs, he had that there are three basic things in life that we must follow. You can read the entire book of the Bible, but there's three key things that always stand out. There's obedience, there's um, unwavering faith, and um, to listen, to listen, to listen, to be obedient and have this unwavering faith. And when you read these stories in the Bible and all these characters, you see, for me, I see myself in every last one of them where I just can't get right. Like, you know how you, you try to, to be like this, 
You try to be what you know God wants you to be. You're given the rules and it's almost like, okay, if I can do these things, then, you know, I'm on the right track. And then you, when you reevaluate your day or when you continue to read the Bible, you realize like, man, every decision of every day, I have to rely on him. I have to relinquish this feeling that I'm in control. I have a, I have the authority or control over my life and I make all the decisions and you can most definitely that is your choice but the walk that I'm trying to walk in I hope this makes sense and this probably is just a rant rant for myself to kind of say it out loud but for me it's like I want to correct it's all about correction with me I want to correct the things in me and Sometimes the things in me, I don't even want God to bring to light, but I know he has to fix those areas in order for me to, for order for him to be able to help me in those areas. So again, I like to, I have to tell myself to listen. There are times when the Holy Spirit tell me like, don't do that. And I'll do it anyway. And immediately, immediately the consequence will come. Or I, the Holy Spirit will tell me like, read your, read the scripture. I want to, or God is is wanting your time and attention. Use this 15 minutes to get into your Bible, get into, you know, spending time, you know, wake up, just things like that. I'm trying to get myself um, in a place where when those things happen to me, I'm listening immediately. So I'm listening and I'm acting in obedience immediately. I'm not taking my time. I'm not lightly gagging. I'm not saying, oh, I'll come back to that later. I'm immediately taking a stance and I'm doing what is needed. An unwavering, unwavering faith, meaning that I don't care what I see with my eyes, what's tangible with my hands. I have to believe what he's told me. You know, like whatever God has promised, whatever the scripture has repeated itself and said I must believe that with every fiber in my body with every vessel in my body I have to believe in those things right which I'm constantly checking myself I'm constantly you know tweaking I'm I mean it is a daily hourly second situation to humble myself of my flesh which is dying and to make sure that my spirit and my vessel is godlike every day more and more godlike more and more of what he wants and needs me to do so coming back into love without correction is not love but love with correction and discipline is absolute love is when you read these stories in the bible and you get these characters that come from different backgrounds or different tribes, or, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, how can one person have almost like this unwavering faith like David? And you hear the story of David, and it's not like it was a beautiful story. What's beautiful about it is that his faith, his his faith was beautiful, the way that he was obedient was a beautiful thing. And not that he didn't have 
failures or mishaps or mistakes. It was just that and the consequences behind it. And I hate to be a spoiler alert for the book of David, but I would say this. David did all three of those things. He listened. He was obedient and had unwavering faith. And reading his story is that, you know, reading his story, just giving a high level overview. But I, whoever listens to this, whoever's touched by this, I would strongly advise that you actually read it for yourself. And to be honest, I'm reading this life application study Bible and it reads like a story. So it's, it's not real hard language to use. I would tell you to always, you know, read an older version because I hate when words are omitted or taken out, but it reads like a book to me, like a, a bedtime story. And I'm, I'm not even exaggerating on that. It is, it gives, um, character descriptions and breaks each chapter down. And it is a very easy read, but that's just the Bible I'm reading right now. And as I'm reading it, you know, it, it tells like the people, the people were looking at other, other nations of people and tribes and, and we're like, they got, you know, instead of, we don't have something tangible. We don't have something that we can see, we can feel that has blood in our bodies, has flesh and bones, and is tangible. (laughs) And how many times have we been given like the greatest gift, but because we couldn't see it, touch it, smell it, and feel it, it just wasn't real. You know, that takes an unwavering faith. And this is a time where... You know, the Israelites had been going through the promised land and they wanted a king. And it's almost like how how disrespectful and how ungrateful when you have a king of kings leading you that is among your tribe that is around you, that gives you rules about how the camp should be kept because his holiness is there, his, his presence is there among you. And it's like God, even God said, okay, I'll give you what you want. You know, I'll give you, you say you want a king. Sure. I'll give you a king. And you know, the people appointed Saul and God's, you know, God's glory came upon Saul, but that wasn't God's choice. It was this, the people saw Saul. Saul was tall from what the Bible says. Saul was handsome and the people People look at your physical attributes and not your heart. God looks at your heart. And so the people picked Saul. And Saul, you know, in the beginning, Saul was with, had the glory of God and God was with him. But Saul became prideful. He became arrogant. He became about himself. He, he, he didn't, you know, seek God in the things that he did. He did it on his own accord arrogance pride pridefulness and how many times and i'll use myself as an example that i've asked god for something and when his spirit was upon me i went after a while i forgot about him i went and did things my way because again my humanness was like oh i got it you know i got this and wind up failing 
And unfortunately, Saul ended up being tormented, you know, in an easy spirit. And the only person who could, you know, soothe his spirit was a young shepherd named David. And David was good with instruments. He was known for, you know, his instruments. And Saul didn't even recognize him when David went up against Goliath. He did not know that that was the guy who was coming to play for him when he was uneasy. So fast forward a little bit. David's father, Jesse, has sons other than David. And again, Israel was at war with other surrounding tribes and, and all of this stuff. And again, David was not even looked at to be like, oh, the, you know, he wasn't looked at as anything. David wasn't as tall as his brothers. It never says that David wasn't handsome, but his brothers were tall, handsome, and had the physique. They had the look. You know what I'm saying? They had to look. And it's funny that his father told him like, hey, go down there to the, to, you know, where your brothers are fighting and just encourage them. He sent his youngest, he sent his baby up to like the front line and say, encourage your brothers. Encourage them, remind them who God is and just, you know, speak, speak life into them. Speak, don't have them in fear. And during this time, like you have this giant who's coming out taunting the Israelites and the people of God saying like, look, you know, we got two, two tribes against each other. But if you Israelites can take me out, then all bets are off. But if you can't, then you guys are going to surrender to me. You know, you're going to surrender to us. And he did this little chant and they, you know. Poor Israel gets nervous, gets scared. And here comes David to preach a word of encouragement to his brothers. And he winds up talking to the troops like, hey, remember who you are. Remember what God promised you. Remember, remember your faith. Remember that God is for you. And it doesn't matter what your enemy or poser looks like. Like, just remember, unwavering faith. David listened to his dad. He went down. He showed unwavering, unwavering faith and was obedient. And he gets down there. He sees the fear upon the men. And little David goes down there and strikes down Goliath. He finds a weakness in his armor. And strikes him down with not a sword, not anything, but a pebble, a small rock, and kills him. And even during that time, you know, while he was rallying up the troops, his brother's like, what are you doing down here, David? Well, you know, whatever. But David was speaking to the men of what, to have them remember who they are. His his love for God, his unwavering faith, his obedience towards God, and that he listened is what got David in the position that he was in. And so, of course, David goes up in the ranks 
saw asked, who is this? And they tell him, like, do you not know that's the guy who played music for you to calm you down? That's him. And as David moved up, people loved him and the king got jealous. Went after David for years to kill him. David had, David was obedient even when someone was trying to kill him. David was still honoring God because God, he said that God, you know, allowed him to be king. Who am I to kill him? If it doesn't come from God, I'm not going to put a, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put a sword to him. And David kept the faith. David kept this unwavering faith that of what God had promised him of what he knew. And even in picking the next king, it's almost like, you know, Jesse, all the Jesse boys went up to see who would be the next king. And God chose and told a prophet that, hey, it will be David. All of David's brothers was handsome, good looking, tall, you know, but it was David that he chose. The little scrawny brother. You know, a little shorter than everybody, but had the faith in the heart of of probably tens of thousands of men. And even in David's reign and how he did what God had wanted the Israelites to do and fought brutal wars. And, And with God, I mean, struck down several hundreds of thousands of men. David forgot who was in control. He let his cockiness, his arrogance, see Bathsheba while she was taking a bath. You know, summons her to the kingdom. And, you know, he had relations with her. She winds up getting pregnant. She tells David. David tries to... David tries to, you know... um get her husband to go lay with him with her and he does all these like you know tactics that we do you know we'll do a sin we'll try to cover it up and then when david couldn't cover it up he got the man killed so even with david and at this time he had met Bathsheba, she he had he had he had everything he could possibly wanted as a king several wives He had, you know, he had it all. He had what every man in the, in this land and in this world could possibly want. But in his ego and his, his pridefulness of him being who he was, which is king. He, it's like the arrogance of him and the arrogance of men and women are humanists. We think then why can't we have it all? Why can't we just do what we want? But he took another man's wife. He killed the man, got the man murdered and tried to cover it up. And when confronted, when confronted, David immediately said, I sinned. This is what I've done. And David confessed with his mouth the things that he'd done. However, God loved David. God favored David. And with God love, God knew everything that David had done. And instead of David coming to him and repenting and asking God to forgive him of his sins or even 
walking away when he saw Bathsheba. Uh, the chain of events that could have taken place in David's life would not have happened. God's discipline for being disobedient because he loved David was that David's sons were going to run amok, sleep with his wives, be disrespectful. It was almost calamity upon his family. One of his sons raped his daughter. The other son that was a full, full-blooded sister to um, David's daughter who was raped, killed his son who was the rapist. And even in this, and David knew it, he did not discipline his kids, his children. One of his children tried to get David, a couple of his sons tried to get David killed. It's just a calamity of events. His son that he had and was who was pregnant by was Bathsheba. That child died. That child died. And David wept and he prayed and he fasted for that child. But because of his sin, God told him what his punishment was. Told him what was to happen. And as soon as David found out that his son that he had with Bathsheba died, David immediately went to go worship God. Now, that in itself let me know, like, wow, even though David was disciplined, he knew that he was wrong and still knew that God was still righteous. And he knew God was a just God. And he knew that his sin was sin. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I don't know how many times consequences come to me. And I've been like, God, why would you allow that to happen? And it's been revealed to me that, no, you were warned. You were giving a warning. You were giving a slight nudge not to do that. You were giving that, you know, um, that feeling like, hey, don't do that. But you did it anyway. And now you have to face the consequence. And so it just makes you realize that obedience is always better than sacrifice when it comes to God and going through David's life, like David and his sons had issues. I mean, until it was Solomon and how disgraceful is it that you can't never give your daughter, your one daughter away because she's been raped. And in those times it was disgraceful. And what did she do for the rest of her life? How did she live? Knowing that she, whatever dream that she had, you know, about being married or having children, that was no longer going to happen. But because David did not discipline out of love for his children, and we don't know why he didn't do it. We don't know why he didn't ask God what should his child's, you know, punishment be for raping his sister. Or what blessings could he bestow upon Tamar? Because that would have stopped the wrath within his children. And thinking that David was a weak king because he couldn't lead. And that they could lead better than him. You just never know. But God's discipline came swiftly and quickly. David's discipline never came. And it was the calamity of his family. What he did and what his original sin carried over to his children. 
and what he did with his children or what he did not do with his children was probably his greatest heartbreak. So it's like God disciplines us because he loves us. He disciplines us to correct the action because he knows we are more than capable of correcting the action. And God reveals a lot of things within our hearts that sometimes we have to work with and and see it immediately and ask God to help us with that. I think when God, when David saw Bathsheba, that was God trying to test David to see where your heart, where is your heart right now? Can you walk away from your pride and ego? Can you walk away from looking upon Bathsheba and lust after a married woman? Or if you did lust, can you ask for repentance? Can you say, Lord, help me in this area where my ego and pride are, are my my flesh, uh, my skin? You know, can you remove these things from me? Because I think that God always puts a provision before the discipline. It's always a warning. It's always that gut feeling. It's always that voice that says, "Uh, uh-uh, it's not. This is not it." But I think the discipline of what we do is that, or the discipline that of our actions is what He tries to correct. Sometimes they are harsher lessons than what we really want to face. But at the end of the day, I think that even in God's acts of discipline and correction, he allows for a bigger picture and a blessing to come from it. Anytime that I've been disciplined in in things that I knew I wasn't supposed to do, a lot of times I didn't do them again. And a lot of times, and sometimes it took me doing it over and over again for me to say, okay, that's enough. I'm not going to win this. I'm not trying to win this and this hurts too bad. But even in the correction, we learn, we grow, we know not to do that again. And it's just one of the lessons that we've had to repeat, unfortunately. But it's not really unfortunate if you look at it from a perspective as that's just something that needed a little bit more tuning and a little bit more work than other areas. But once it's been perfected in that area, then we can move on. So I think that even with God, it's, it's his beauty, it's his grace that it comes with it. The beauty of just having your child learn. It's like seeing someone not get something for so long and then they have that aha moment. So even in his correction, there's still grace. There's still beauty in it. And it's just like with me reading just about David and David's struggles, And the thing that I've noticed about David is David would do one thing and he would repent and he wouldn't do it again. It's like he just would not do it again. Once he was called out or he called his own actions out, he repented and worked towards not doing it again. I'm not saying that he didn't fail because, I mean, David had an affair. He got a man murdered. He tried to cover it up. He had a kid out of marriage. It was just a lot of things. He was he didn't discipline his kids the way that he should. He it's a lot. But it's where his heart was really at. And I'm grateful 
with God's with God's discipline. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful because he loves me enough to correct and allow me to go through lessons so that I can build more character and be stronger in that area of my life. And I didn't always look at it that way. And now I'm looking at it that he loves me so much and he wants me to be better and return to his kingdom and return to him is that he's willing to sit there and go through lessons with me as a teacher and to teach me the right ways to do things and to teach me a way, an extreme high way to get back home to him. And ultimately that is my goal is to get back home to God. It's to get back home to the kingdom. It's to get back to where my my place is. It's to get back to saying, I, I had my earthly experience. I understand the struggles of humans. I understand the difficulties of life. I can understand the confusion. I can understand the influence. But my ultimate goal is to get back to you, to get my heart together for this life not to break me down to make me cold to make me bitter but to have this unwavering faith um to be disciplined and obedient into what you say to listen the first time and to act accordingly and to show you these things every day and just to be ultimately the best the best learner I can possibly be. Through my life be a walking testimony or a walking just idea of what God would want me to be. And not saying that my walk is perfect by no means. Not saying that my thoughts are always in alignment. But to show my imperfections, to show that I am constantly being tweaked and worked on and adjusted and molded into the image and person that God wants me to be. I will forever, ever be a student of his teaching. I will be forever be a student of him. I will forever be learning and adjusting until I take my last breath here. And I say all this just to say that love without correction is not love. Love without discipline is not love. And if I stand on those three pillars to listen, to be obedient, and to have unwavering faith, meaning that stop praying to God, For the same things over and over again. Make my wants known and thank God in advance every day for it. And walk in. Walk in it as if it is here. Because that's unwavering faith that it is done. And that my prayer did not land on deaf ears. That he heard it. And to prepare me for it. And to just be in that spirit. To be in that space. To... Act in love, to receive in love, and to move maneuver in that. I honestly, that's all that I want. And that is literally my 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 rant for 
this year well today I can't say this year but today it just it was overwhelming for me to to just say that and it's better to be obedient than, than to sacrifice I don't think God ever wants us to sacrifice and I was speaking with a friend when we were talking about obedience is 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 greater than sacrifice is because I don't know when God actually asked anyone to sacrifice anything. I think he tested your faith. He tested your faith. And you may have thought that it was sacrificial or you were giving up something for him to give you more than enough. What we deem as sacrifice is so minute to what being obedience will actually get you. Obedience omits a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of, as we call it, you know, giving up or forfeiting something. So I leave you with this. I hope that wherever you are, wherever you're listening, maybe I hope that this touched you. Um, I hope that you pick up the book yourself and read it and Come to your own conclusion and it speaks to you wherever you are in your in your study or even in your growth or even in your in your life. You know, I I think, like I said, I read the Bible and different stories always impact me differently. I seem to learn a little different um, differently each time. I really do. It's almost like the alchemist. I don't know if anyone, the alchemist, I don't know if anyone has read that um, book, but every time I pick up that book and read it, because it's such a good read and it's not a long book, it's almost like I'm a different person in the story each time. And it's crazy because it just depends on where I am in my life and what I'm, you know, going through. It's just, it's amazing, and it has so many biblical references, and it has so many things of of that nature, and it's a fictional book, but it's so realistic. It's almost like, wow, it it puts a lot of things into perspective. But anyway, I hope that wherever you are listening to this, that you are enjoying your day, and that this touched you in a way that It brings you closer to God, closer to knowing his son, closer to knowing him and having a personal relationship beyond just textbook, beyond saying. And when I'm saying this, I'm preaching to myself a very intimate, like father to child relationship. Like, like, that's all I can say, like a. Father to child, mother to child relationship. So I pray that, you know, this year is only the second month of the year. But I hope that this blesses you. That word blessed me, the me observing the observation of just the stories that bless me. And I hope that it continues to bless you. I hope that in your readings, in your journey on this life, that you have a unwavering relationship and unwavering faith and you're obedient to to his teaching not religious practices or routines but 
understanding who he is. And sometimes you have to remove yourself from certain groups. But just reading for yourself, understanding who he is, his true love, and how deep his love is for you. So I in the beginning, I said this is probably going to be the shortest uh, podcast that I had. And it wound up being like over 40 minutes. So you guys, I hope you stay blessed. I hope that... um You know, this this touches you in a way that just helps you ultimately. That's always my goal is just to help.